broken up into a few weeks, and all of it, some great questions last Wednesday night. Always going to be what about, to be sure, right? Because this is just a process, it's not a program. But you're going to get answers to probably much of what you might be thinking about by the time we get to the end. Because all of this is designed to be done in about a two and a half hour workshop. Okay, so does everyone understand that? This has been 12 weeks, it'll be 12 weeks when we're done. And the first few weeks, we did the history, if you will. We did the whole background of why do we have to even think about changing the way we do evangelism? Why? And we talked through all of that. We've talked about contextualization and, and, and how that's not the same word as compromise, but it means we change the way that we, we, we communicate the unchanging truths of the gospel in a changing culture. But I know this is, this is difficult. This was not our first choice in, in putting this together that this portion would be broken up, but we, we can't do two and a half hours on a Wednesday night. And, and again, it will be a workshop. As soon as the program ends, once we launch in May, there'll be one workshop after another, and it'll just keep rolling. And we're hoping that all of you will be facilitators of the workshop. Here, you can leave that off for a moment if you want. We'll get to that in a moment. You, you all will be facilitators at some point that you'll feel comfortable enough being able to share this. But let me make this clear, too. This is not a... a I don't want you to feel like, okay, now the pastor... Is there any way to shut that down, Dan? Just shut it off. Is there any way? Um, I don't want you to feel that you have to just... Okay, now the pastor's expecting me every week to be out here sharing the gospel. I don't want you to feel that way, okay? Remember, I told you there were a lot of years I was very uncomfortable with evangelism. I was at uh, Coral Ridge under Dr. Kennedy, and it was very difficult for me. I was more of a discipler. I loved the discipleship aspects of ministry. I loved doing the Bible studies and the training of those who were at least professing to be in the faith. And I felt like this was a special gift for, for those who were out into... Now, Dr. Kenny would say, no, 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 no. There might be a special gift for mass evangelism, but there's no special gift to share the gospel. We're all called to do it. But I don't want you to be feeling uncomfortable or feeling like you're being pressed or if I'm not out sharing the gospel, then I'm not part of this church. Don't, don't do that, okay? Don't, don't do that. I, I was uncomfortable and I'm not anymore. That's just a work of God's grace in your heart. That's all. So some are more naturally inclined to, to be sharing with other people. Some are more extroverted and introverted and all of these things that come together. But I just want to make sure that that's clear so that you don't feel that you're, you're being pressed into a, a, a shape that is not yours today. Okay? The primary reason for this process is to at least make you comfortable with communicating in this culture to people who don't have a basic background in, in the faith. And, and how do you enter into those kinds of conversations? So I know that was one of the questions. How do we start these kinds of conversations? All that's going to be part of this. You'll, we'll get to that. And still, when we get to the end, you're only going to get just a tiny snapshot of everything that I've been working on for, for years and years. And that's fine, because you're going to come up with your own formula. You're going to come up with your own way of connecting with people. And remember what I told you at the very beginning. 
if you look at people as prospects to lead, then you've missed the entire message of what I'm teaching. And I believe you've missed the entire message of the gospel. They're not prospects to be led. They're people to be loved. And when we understand that at the deepest level, it changes. You're not uncomfortable anymore. You're not uncomfortable talking about your faith. And you'll learn how to contextualize it in different environments. Because you don't have a hidden agenda that you're trying to... Yes, ultimately, at the deepest level, we'd like to see people converted. Yes? But I'm just trying to connect and make a friendship. Connect at a heart level and let somebody know that I do care for you, even though I don't know you. And that's what the gospel does. It gives you... It gives you an other orientation that you don't have on your own. What's the DNA of sin? Selfishness. All of life is turned in on yourself. That's what sin does. That's what happened in the garden. So what does the gospel do? It begins to turn you outward. You begin to have an other orientation. It's not easy. And it can't be done in the flesh. It's a work of God's grace. So long as you have that, And remember that this is just something to help you work through. Let's dive in for this week's brief message. We're going to go back to our hand. If you weren't here last week, then you might not remember the hand signals, but we did them. And remember, these hand signals are not for you to go walking around the street going like this. Don't do that. They'll think there's something wrong with you. And there is. But they'll think there's something really wrong with you. And there probably is. So these are for you. What's this the universal sign for? Okay. So that's, that's, that's for you. So what's that mean? Something was good before there was anything that was bad. Yes? Okay. What's this the universal sign? Depending on the universe you're in, right? You could be in a cultural context where you, they don't mean the same thing. But just in general. Universally, what does that mean? That. When you see an athlete, and t- typically you'll see it on an athletic field of competition. They've scored home run or a touchdown, you'll see them sometimes. Does that give you an indication of something what? Forget the fact about all paid, but you're looking where? Up. There's some kind of acknowledgement up, right? So we use two, two hands, two fingers, point up and say what? All paid. So we got something that started that was very good, something went really bad. We have an all paid, and then we have this. What's this? Okay, you got it? That, again, that's only for you. Don't run around. If I see you doing that, I'm going to walk away from you. And listen, don't ever be wearing a cross shirt when you're out there doing this. All right? Don't do it. Don't do it. Until I'm sure what you're doing. What a gospel presentation is not. Ready? Take a look. Ask Jesus into your heart as Savior and Lord, and he will save you. That's not a gospel presentation. And yet we hear that all the time, right? Give your life to Christ, and you will receive eternal life. And yet we hear that all the time. Well-meaning. But it's not the gospel presentation. You have to get an understanding of what the presentation is. So moving on, it is the proclamation of the good news about Jesus, but not just that, right? Christ died for your sins, your sin, but then you have to have what? An invitation. So just remember the two key words. You proclaim, but you invite. So a proclamation and an invitation. Both end the same way, right? With the shun at the end, you can remember the two. You don't just give a proclamation, but then you do an invitation at the end to accept him as Lord, to receive him as Savior, and all of that. So that's the gospel presentation in its 
formula. Okay? Let me show you an early Christian creed, which, again, there's so much to teach on this, and we've done it, I think, at Easter a couple times. We've done it during the year at certain times. I can't give you the whole background for all of this, but here's probably the easiest way for you to look for the content. This is perhaps one of the earliest New Testament documents. And let me say this to you. Listen to me carefully before you write any more. And remember, you'll have access to all of this later. You'll have all of this in a a booklet. You'll have everything. Listen to me carefully so that you understand this. When, When I speak to you, I'm talking to you at a scholarship level. I'm not talking to you about bloggers and people out on the street corner. At a scholarship level, scholars who are considered critical scholars, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? Are you with me? Critical scholars will say to you, we believe that Paul wrote seven of the 13 epistles. He wrote 13 based on what you believe, right? You read the Bible and it looks like Paul wrote 13. Critical scholars will tell you he only wrote seven. And you say, oh, why don't we need to debate that? This is one of the letters they say he wrote. Now let me tell you how profound that is. If Paul wrote this, and they say that he did, I can't. I don't, I don't want to get up and give you the timeline. Paul had to get this information almost immediately, seemingly after Jesus. If you use the numbers that that are just typical numbers, and you go to go AD thirty, if he's born a couple years before you get there, there's no zero. So say he's born, you know, three or four or two BC, right? He's born. Go to thirty, and he's dead. By thirty-three, Paul's saved. Now look at the screen. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. That Christ died for our sins. Now, here's the gospel. Here's the priest. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, right? And then to the twelve. Do you know what that means? Do you, do you know, here, listen to what it means that the critical scholars have now just said to you. We believe that the story that you preach was not embellished and it wasn't made up. Generally, stories... They, they morph over years, right? So if you look at the document that, that Paul writes, 1 Corinthians, and you date it, let's say, around maybe 55, and you look at 55 and you go from 30 to 55, you go, okay, that's 25. That's still nothing, right? When you look at some of the old, old... When you, when you look at some of the things that you believe in history, Alexander the Great, Caesar crossing the Rubicon, and how many... How many centuries are in between the information that you've read and the actual event. You've got 25 years, let's say, that Paul writes this. And what does Paul say? I'm not making something up. I'm writing something to you that I received. When did Paul receive it? We're not sure. But it seems like he could have received it when he got saved on that Damascus Road experience or no later than a few years later when he went off and he came back to Jerusalem and spoke to Peter and he spoke to James, the leaders of the church, So what's the point? The early church, that's what they were preaching from the very beginning. What were they preaching? That Christ died for our sins according to what scriptures? What scriptures did they have? Old Testament. Okay? So it had to be according to the Old Testament scriptures. We didn't have the New Testament. And that he was buried according to what? Old Testament scripture. And that he was raised on the third day according to what? Scriptures. And that he appeared. Now then he adds this not according to the scriptures. Now this will be because of the report that now he appeared to Cephas. Do you see this? That should rock your faith. That's 
And the skeptics say, we give you that. He wrote it. Can't debate that. So the point is, as C.S. Lewis would say, this isn't some kind of fable that was made up over centuries that continued to morph and morph and morph. No, it didn't. This is what they preached almost right from the beginning on that first Easter Sunday. He rose from the dead, and they started preaching what? This message. Okay, so there's the early Christian creed. Keep that in mind. Now, check this out. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach what? Christ crucified. So here's the point. Look at me. The message never changes. When I say contextualize, we're not contextualizing the message. The message is the same. Jesus Christ crucified. You contextualize the way you deliver it. Okay? A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 Okay, ready? Two more pieces of the puzzle. Let's go back one more time. Say it real quickly as I do it. Ready? Go. Out loud. All good. Keeping on moving. The who of evangelism. You ready for this? This is going to make some people feel really comfortable. Who's called to evangelize? Every believer. And you go, oh, now pastor's gone to meddling. I knew I shouldn't have come tonight. Listen, I just want you to at least feel good about this. I didn't feel any different way back in the day. I had no interest in any of this. It was just way, way too uncomfortable for me early in my walk. I just, and I shared that with Dr. Kennedy. I just, I, we, we talked. I just was uncomfortable. And it wasn't even so much being rejected. I got rejected over all sorts. of. I didn't care about that. I love a fight. I didn't care about that. I just, I'd rather be discipling people in the faith. I, we all have our spots. But then I realized there's something that's going on here that I think I'm missing. Common objection. The Great Commission was given to the apostles, not me. You ever think that? I'm going to show you why that's not true. But many people say that to me. And it seems like it was. But take a look. Ready? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them, uh uh-oh, teaching them, I underline that, right, to obey everything I commanded you. Ready? We are included in these words, teaching them. Who's the them? That's you and me. So... Someone evangelizes, teaching you to obey everything that I have commanded you. What were the apostles commanded to do? Go and make. Got it? That just messed up your whole night. Can't get away from it. So now you understand how to unpack that. When people are, well, not called. Yes, you are. Yes, you, you don't get a vote. You can't figure this out on your own. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey what I've told you to do to go and make disciples. So everyone who's been saved is called to do what? Go and make. This isn't my book. It's his. Jesus said to them, but you will receive, Acts 1.8, this is the key. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my What? My witnesses all over the world, right? Jerusalem is right in your home. So it starts in your house. So Jerusalem for us as a church would be what? Right here. 
That's one of Joe Miller's pet peeves, making sure people in the church are saved. So you'll see him on Wednesday night sitting at a table praying with people. Because after speaking to them a little bit, he gets an understanding that they don't know the gospel. They haven't understood what it means to be saved. So Jerusalem is here. Then Deerfield would be what? Judea. Samaria could be what? Just a larger area, maybe the, the state. And the ends of the earth is everywhere else. Got it? Now, John Stott. Listen to this quote. We can no more restrict the command to witness than we can restrict the promise of the Spirit. Man, that's powerful stuff. If the Spirit has been promised, you, be, you believe that you're indwelled with the Spirit? Nod your heads if you're His. You better believe that. And don't talk about some second indwelling and all that. Don't, don't do that. Okay, just one time, in, in, and in, and He's in, and He's in, right? Now, if you have that, John Stott says you can't restrict the command to witness any more than you can restrict the promise of the Spirit. But you will receive power, if the Spirit, you have the power, and you will be my, that's all. Got it? Let's keep moving. All believers have the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he, was, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. So what does that mean? Evangelism. It's everywhere. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. Okay? So now, who are we supposed to evangelize? Who? Everyone. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You ready for this one? All right, looks like you're ready. I want you to read that one more time, and I'm going to tell you something that is as profound as you're ever going to hear. And it's going to mess up some real Reformed people. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants what? Say everybody. Everybody say it. Who wants what? One more time. Say it again. What? But yet, yet, someone will say to me, but all people aren't saved. How do you reconcile that? Want to hear my response? I don't have to reconcile that. That's in God's hands. But make no mistake. Say it one more time. God wants who saved? Say it one more time. Don't let somebody mess you up. Be very careful with this. I'm as reformed as you can possibly be. Five-point Calvinist. I spent a lot of time talking to some really, really solid. Sam Lamerson, we spent a lot of time talking. And he'll pull stuff out of some of the most obscure texts in, 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 in the history of the church that has been written and showed. Just know this, Tommy. All people, all people, all people. And yet we know some are not. How do we reconcile it? We don't. That's not in your hands. You don't need to have to sort all this stuff out. All you need to do is what? Go after all people. And don't you worry about a thing. I've, I've been in some fairly 
used to be heated, not anymore. Because I can get them to go away when I reach in to give them a hug and a holy kiss. And if they're really tight, man, they back right up. They got no interest in that. I just give them a hug and a kiss. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with these people? I don't understand. I don't have to reconcile that. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says what? The secret things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to you and I. I don't know that. How would you... Are you responsible for for your actions? Was Adam and Eve responsible? And is God sovereign? How do you reconcile that? You don't have to. There's no way to reconcile. How do you... I don't know how to... There's no reconciliation. That's in God's hands. He's God. So I take this that God wants all people saved. So I'm preaching the gospel to all people. And I let him sort it out at the end. It's not my job. So if you run into any tightness, send him to me. Because I give him a hug and a holy kiss. I'm telling you, they do that and they run. Because they're tight. They're just tight. They don't like that. They don't like that. But I like that because that's the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. We got to spend time trying to figure out who he loves. and who. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Good, you figure it out. I'm just going to share the mercy and the love of Christ with everyone I meet. Because why? The results are in whose hands? His. We clear? Okay. Moving on. I love that part of it because it's beginning with what? Where do we, where do we begin this? With it? We begin with church visitors. A lot of times church visitors will be a little... You can't be sure they're pre-qualified because you think they come to the church and they have a background. They have a Jewish background, right? They understand creator God, fall of man, salvation... Promise Redeemer, sacrifice, you can't be sure, but sometimes. So if you, if you do have someone who has a background, you do right what Joe does, Joe, Joe, get right to the point. Say, listen, is your salvation, is you're secure? You're, you're, you feel like you're in? Or is that something you're still working on? So if they have a background, we can get right to that. You can go to the two EE questions, go right there. But if they don't, then it changes how you have to enter in, right? So you've got to figure out who you're talking to. But you start with the church visitors. That's why what? When we get to the very end, you're going to get a whole stack of cards. Hopefully you have your own anyway. Be inviting people where? To church. Invite everyone to church. Get them in there. Say, you've got to come listen to this guy. He is really messed up. And I think it will resonate with you. He just really is whacked. You've got to hear him. Sometimes people are concerned. They see it's a PCA church. They, they, I'm telling you. People are concerned about things. They've been telling them, don't worry about those letters. Don't worry about those letters. You come in and just get in and, and get a sense when you get on the campus. and Tell me what you think when you leave. There isn't a person that I speak to afterwards who says, I've never felt a campus so loving. From the second I came out of my car, people greeting me and saying hello to me. Sharing a, something to eat down in the fellowship hall or a cup of coffee. Or something. I've never seen anything like it. They feel like there's, that you care. Got it? And then what? Family and friends and neighbors and whoever God lays on your heart. Now, presentation scripture proofs. We can't get too far on this. So here's, here, remember what I said? You don't have to just start memorizing stuff, but you're going to want to have a few things, right? You've got to have a few things 
and understanding what it means to do this and you, to, for yourself. What's all good, what's all bad, what's all paid, what's all paid. You have to have a sense of where you are with this. So here's the scripture proofs. And these are just a few. These are just, you could have your own. You could pick up your own. But these are pretty much the ones that make the most sense. All good. Where do we go? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Two choices in the beginning. Right? So two choices. In the beginning, God... Or in the beginning what? Goo. When you speak like that to somebody, they do what you just did. They laugh. And the wall's down. There's no more hostility. I said, you realize that's, that's the only option? Wait a minute. You're telling me that it's either in the beginning God or in the beginning goo? Yeah. There's no other option. Whoa. I don't think I like that goo stuff. No, I don't either. I don't like that. Crawling out of a bubbling cesspool of amino acids 10 billion years ago and crawling back in. I'm not for that. So we got to go somewhere else. But there's nowhere else to go other than God. I never thought about it like that. It's all right. I didn't either. I had no idea. I'm no different than you. So in the beginning, God, right? Or in the beginning, goo. One or the other, right? Good. And then we go to 126 to 28. Here's where you get a connection that you have. They, they can't run from this. Why? You're made the same way. So now what? Here we go. Let us. Who's us? We don't know from this passage yet. You have to go further into all the scriptures. But you know us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish. This is the cultural mandate, right? Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God saw all that he had made and it was very... Right? Thumb up. Say what? All. There you go. So there's, there's your framework, because listen, they have a, whatever, whatever their worldview, if, it, if their worldview is not your worldview, they don't have an all good. It doesn't make sense, because in order for them to have an all good, they have to have an explanation for the all bad, because all of them will tell you something is wrong, right? There isn't a person I meet who won't say, well, pastor, you're right, no one's perfect. So, so you, they can't run and hide from from. If you're kind and you're compassionate and you're loving and you're willing to take extra time, which doesn't mean a 15-minute presentation and walk away. This could be 15 days or weeks or months. The timeline has changed, beloved. It's changed. You can go tell anybody you meet they're sinners in need of a Savior, and they'll get, some will get saved. You know, God will use that. But I'm telling you that things have changed. And God wants us to be willing to modify the way that we deliver the message. So everything was very good. Okay? We clear on that? We're going to have to get close to the end here. And the Lord God commanded, Genesis 2, 16, 17, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of good knowledge, for if you eat from that, you will certainly infinite provision and only one what? Prohibition. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let me see, where are, uh, I don't think we're going to get that far. Let's do the all bad, and we'll stop there, okay? Let's go through the all bad. So you, you, you have a framework that connects at a heart level with every person you've ever met because they're image bearers of God no matter what they believe. The Hindu, the Buddhist, the secular humanist, and the Jew is what? An image bearer of God. We're all image bearers of God, right? Can't change that. So that's, that's a given. So you have stuff in your, in your 
toolbox that, that they can't get away from. So once you get all of that solid, then it makes it much easier to navigate when you're in a conversation. It really, really does. So now let's go to all bad. Because we can say to them, well, we have the only... Give me your story. Well, I don't know. Well, give me something. I don't know. Everything's messed up. I know. What if I gave you a story that explained why it's messed up? Could we talk more about that? You have one? I said, yeah, I do. So all bad. The serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Now, if you're speaking to a really hardcore atheist, you probably don't want to be bringing up the serpent, talking snakes, right? You just got to contextualize who you're talking to. So that's not the first thing I bring up is that talking snake, right? I don't do that. But man rebelled against God, right? Isn't that easy? You don't have to be bringing up the snake thing at the beginning. You do that later. You do that later. Because the snake thing then just gets them off track a little bit. We're talking snakes. What's the matter with you people? So just leave that one alone. But this is for you. Remember, remember, this is for you, not for you to share like this. This is for you, right? So the woman said to the serpent. So there's this conversation between the woman. Don't, don't do that. They'll think you're on drugs. Don't do that, okay? It's talking snakes and the woman. And what is that? We may eat. We should not eat. We must not eat. And on the day you eat it, you will certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from this, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what happens? Let's just paraphrase the rest. So she, so what's, the key, what's the key to sin? And this is where you got them. This is how they sin. This is how we sin. Saul, these are the ver- this, this, is, this is the diagram of sin. right? Saul took and ate. Three. Saul took every sin. Every sin that you've ever committed, Saul took and ate. Never changes. Impatience, anxiety, worry, saw, took, and ate. Everything. Everything follows that formula. Okay? And, 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 and the root of sin is what? Pride. So now we have this, this sin. And, and, and so she takes it. She eats. The eyes of them were open. And they sewed fig leaves together. And they made coverings. Then, here, the sad, ready for the saddest verse in all of Scripture? Nothing sadder than this one. I don't think there is. This is the saddest one. Then the man... And his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. Pause. Oh, we could spend forever on this. This is so good. But we have to stop, I think. But what did, what did you just realize? What do you mean he heard the sound of the Lord God? What does that mean? They had to know the sound. So it had to be a sound that had been repeated over and over and over and over again. And now the sound terrified him. Instead of hearing the sound of being filled with delight and running toward God, now they're filled with dread and they run and hide. It's the saddest, I think, passage in all of Scripture. It's something that they had been used to. For how long, we don't know. But now they're on the run from the only one who had an answer to the problem. It's, it's remarkable. But see, your story, they don't have to believe your story. But you have a story that makes sense and they, they, they don't have one. There's no, they don't have a story for how it went bad. I've never heard one. Not one that's reasonable or cogent. Or... All right, ready? 
to Adam. God said, curse is the ground because, you, because of you. And so the Lord banished him from the garden. So we all live where? East of Eden, right? Remember the movie? East of Eden. All have sinned. Now, now we'll get to the key, right? All bad. All have sinned. Why? Adam and Eve were our what? Right? Adam was the federal head, the representative of all humanity. When Adam fell, we all fell in Adam. You say, well, that's not fair. It's not fair. Well, then what you're saying is God isn't fair, and then God really chose the wrong person, and if he'd have chosen you, you wouldn't have sinned. Now, you wouldn't go that far. So what do we know? No matter who is there is going to fall, right? Adam is us. So we fell in Adam. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. And the wages of sin is? But God is merciful. All right, this is it. This last one. But God is what? So we have all good, we have all bad. We have a story that makes sense. You, you have no one else out there that has a story that makes any sense. There's some really bizarre stuff out there, but there's nothing that really makes sense. This makes sense of the, remember, here's what you're trying to do in a worldview. Your worldview has to take into account what it is that you see around you in the world. So the, the reality, not your reality, because you could be really messed up, but the real reality of the world around you encompasses the worldview. You're making sense out of the world in which you live in. So we have a worldview that tells us everything was unimaginably good. We don't even know. Where do we know that? We know it in our hearts. You do know that. Why? You long for your story to finish how? Happily ever after. How could you possibly long for that? If it wasn't there somewhere, it's there. It's there. But we're not going back to get it. We're going forward to get the promise. But it wouldn't even be there if it had never existed. Things weren't always bad. Everything was perfect. And that includes the person you're speaking to. That's what connects us at a heart level. But God is merciful. And then the last one, this will close for the week. Sorry, well, we'll be done before 7.30. I'd like to be done sooner, but this is it. All what? Okay, what's the first gospel promise in the scriptures as far as we know as people? Genesis 3.15. We know there was a promise that preceded that, and I know John loves this one. Hebrews 13.20. By the blood of the eternal covenant. Well, eternal means forever and ever and ever. So in the eternal counsel of the triune God... The blood was promised as an atonement for sin. So that promise was made before there was ever any creation. Okay, But now creation is made. Everything was good. Everything is bad. Now we're going to have a promise for everything to be paid. And God says, I'll put enmity now. And remember, God's not speaking to the man or the woman yet. He's speaking to Satan. We don't have to get into that. But he's speaking to say, I'm going to put enmity. What does that mean? I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to break off this friendship. You're friends now with them, and I'm going to break that off. Why? Because they're mine. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to put enmity between you and them, between your seed and her seed. Women, do you have seed? So what does that mean? Something's coming from somewhere. Not coming from inside the woman. So there's your, there's your gospel promise. Who's the seed? Say, Jesus. All right, and he will crush your, and you will strike his. Got it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power, the power of the gospel. Lord, we just thank you that you have given us the truth. Give us hearts.
that really, really beat for Christ. Help us to really love the people. If we don't love the people we come in contact with, then we'll never be able to share the gospel with them in a way that makes sense to them. But Lord, there was a time when somebody loved us enough to share the gospel with us. And we pray that that would be our testimony. We pray that would be the confession of our lives and of this church. That we would live and look for opportunities to share the love of God in Christ Jesus with everyone that we come in contact with. This we ask in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Listen, one brief announcement. Just so you know, next week we're off. It's spring break. Next week we're off. Then we come back the following week. So if you have lots of questions, you can always talk to me. We'll get you, all this information will make sense when it's all finally in your hands. You'll get copies of all of it. You don't have to be concerned about that, but you're doing a great job. I'm really excited about what I'm hearing from the groups. So go to your groups now, men of the fellowship hall, ladies in here. One week later, we'll be off next week, the 13th, and then, and then we're done. And if you do see Kim tonight before you leave, just tell her happy anniversary. 26 years she's put up with this mess. 26. How about that for God's grace?